0: Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Mariko, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. You've tuned into I Work For Him, the mouthpiece for the faith and work movement. We're your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg.
1: Thanks for joining us today. And you know, today I just thought I would take a moment to just remind you that each and every one of our books that we just produced, Jim, we have an audio version. And it's really fun because all 53 different authors read their own chapter. So each of those books has multiple voices speaking into it literally on the audiobook version. So if you love audio, check that out on Amazon. Otherwise, all of our books can be found on iworkforhim.com forward slash bookstore.
0: So what drives you as a business owner? Is it the money, the power, the influence? Is it the drive to provide nice things for your family or the impact you can make on an industry? So what drives you? Who do you hang out with and what drives them? Does your faith drive you? Are you a faith-driven entrepreneur? Henry Kaysener is, and he finally wrote a book about his experience and the impact that experience is having on thousands of others on a weekly basis. This book is a long time coming, so we're glad to bring this resource to you, our audience, and the resource of all of Henry's businesses and ministries to your attention. Faith Driven, Faith Driven Entrepreneur is one of those organizations joined by Faith Driven Investor. Henry is also the managing principal at Sovereign's Capital and a heavy influencer at Praxis Lab. Henry Kayser, welcome back to iWork for Him.
2: It's great to be with you both, Jim and Martha. Thank you for having me.
0: So I'm excited that you got your book done. I can't imagine, in, you know, in your free time that you just had enough time to, you know, because you've got nothing but free time to write. <laughs> this must have been quite an undertaking.
2: Oh, you know, it was, um, it was actually a labor of love. It was actually really easy to do uh, because we've got a great staff at Faith Driven. And uh, I also had some incredible co-authors. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to, to write the book with Chip Ingram, who's a well-published author and just an incredibly godly man. And then with J.D. Greer. And J.D.'s been a good friend for a long time. And of course, just the outgoing uh, president of Southern Baptist. And then so that I'm culturally relevant with my three teenage boys, we have Lecrae doing the Ford. So when you get a team like that, it actually becomes pretty easy. And when you just have to kind of recount the stories of how God has worked in your life, it's not that hard. So it was uh, some work to be done, but it was It was uh, remarkably rewarding. Thank you.
0: So it's been a while since you've been on the show. I think it was uh, 18. We were in California together. We did a show with you. But I I just want to, before we get talking about your book, Faith Driven Entrepreneur, tell us what you've seen God do in your life recently.
2: Oh, it's a great question. So, you know, if somebody were to ask me, and uh, this continues to be my answer, but if somebody asked me, what can I pray for you about? Uh, I always answer the same thing that my three boys will grow up in the knowledge of God and that they will all independently, uh, develop a love of God and, and receipt of the gift of life in Jesus. And, um, uh, I'm seeing that happen. I'm seeing my oldest son is now at the University of North Carolina and I see God doing incredible things in his life and I'm so grateful it's an answer to prayer. Kimberly and I also pray every night that our boys will, uh, will know godly women and that they'll marry a great godly woman someday. And so that prayer has not yet been answered, but you know, it's early. The boys are 15, 17, and 19. So we're grateful that God hasn't answered that prayer yet, but he has answered the first one, which is that they'll each know, know him.
1: You know, it's so fun as parents to really lean into that and to pray that and realize that that woman is alive somewhere, being raised by someone else. And so, you know, praying into that, that was something that Jim and I uh, early on were like, you know, there's a whole nother family out there that we don't know that we're really praying for them as well as they raise up that daughter. So um, such a good, such a good prayer. So let's talk about faith-driven entrepreneur. What is a faith-driven entrepreneur?
2: Well, as you might imagine, a faith-driven entrepreneur is somebody driven by their faith. And we all have a faith in something. It's a belief in maybe the market. It's a belief that if we work really hard, we'll get something. Or it's a belief that we've been created in the image of a God who so loved us that he sent his son to die for us and that actually we can't earn our own salvation. What is it that drives us? Is it a sense of ambition and achievement, or is it out of a sense of gratitude? So what I love about the title of Faith Driven Entrepreneur, if I can say that I love something about our title, is that it calls into question about what is it that drives us and what is our faith? And in my experience, all too often, I've been driven by the wrong faith. Mm. It's a belief in my ability or my team's ability um, or in the marketplace or in that a whole bunch of different things will develop or deliver rather satisfaction and joy. Um, but, uh, if I can find out that it's really my faith in God and his love for me and the, and the gift of his son, if that's what drives me, then I can find fulfillment in the market and the use of my giftings and a sense of joy.
0: So why do you think there's such a disconnect for most Christ followers, including pastors and most churchgoers, about the significance of the role of the entrepreneur on society as part of the kingdom that Jesus talked about all the time?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think there's, there's so many different things that are wrong. Uh, you know, the easy answer to that is sin, right? At some level, it's sin. It, it, you can look at it from a def, bunch of different angles. One is, it's the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So all of those things have had an element in, in my life that have held me back from having that type of harvest that we hear about 30, 60, or 100 times. I think that there's also um, this kind of legacy feeling that there's a pecking order in the kingdom of God, and that you've got pastors, and then you've got missionaries, And then you got the business people. And the role of the business people is really to help fund some of these higher levels in this kind of a caste system. And in the United States, nobody would ever call it that, right? Mm -hmm. You're never going to be in a a church where the pastor says, you know, I'm at the the top of the pyramid. And yet you actually do find that quite a bit overseas, actually. So there's some cultures and communities like in India, and you even find kind of like echoes of that in the States. And so uh, I don't think that you find a lot of pastors that are able to really speak really well into the role of an entrepreneur or a business owner, because it's a world that they don't have a lot of experience in. Um, and so they're not as comfortable in talking about our call to create. And what does it look like to be created in the image of a God who worked six out of seven days and whose work continues to this day, which is what, of course, the Gospel of John says. I don't know that a lot of pastors are, are comfortable and as familiar We're talking about the fact that actually God's kingdom is coming. That's, you know, what Jesus talks about in the New Testament, come to proclaim the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God and the role that we can play in it. So we have this holy sense of calling, but um, we haven't heard about that a lot in our churches. Increasingly, that's changing. Right. Um, uh, Yeah. So that's an answer
1: so what do you see happen when a christ following entrepreneur actually understands that god gave them the gift of entrepreneurship
2: well it's a sense of hopefully it's a sense of joy and gratitude
0: Mm
2: -hmm. that you know what happens what's our natural reflection and reaction when we're given a gift is one of gratitude and when we realize that we've been given these gifts uh, to be grateful for it, but then also to get a sense of joy and purpose about being used by God under his power for his glory and the work that he is doing in the world. That's a special, special, beautiful thing that gives us a sense of purpose and mission. And with that, um, allows us to have a, a joy again that's attractive to our partners, our vendors, our customers, and our employees. And that type of gratitude and joy is attractive it makes these folks want to be in relationship with mm-hmm. us it leads to greater employee promotion and retention it leads to to better business development relationships great things happen if we have this sense of gratitude for these gifts given us
0: you know and i got to believe we've interviewed uh, you know, we've interviewed thousands of people and it's also a relief henry when a business owner an entrepreneur finds out that it's okay that to be an entrepreneur that God called them to do that, that they don't need to quit their job to go be in full-time ministry that they already are. It's a yeah. it, it provides a great deal of relief. I yeah. That's I don't know. Have you seen that?
2: Well, I felt it. I felt that it's 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 not only just a sense of relief, it's a sense of well, I'll tell you where I get the sense of relief. I get this sense of relief when I come to really understand the gospel and that my identity is the beloved child of God and that when God looks at me after a day in which I didn't get as much done as I wanted to get done. Or my business isn't growing the way that I thought it should grow. Maybe it's even shrinking. The sense of relief comes from the fact that when he sees me, he doesn't see an entrepreneur that's successful. He sees his son. That's what mm-hmm. scripture tells us. That's the relief. That's right. the relief. That's the joy. That's the gratitude. But yes, it is a special, beautiful thing to be called into what he's doing in the marketplace and the redemption and restoration of all things. and, and uh but yeah, there's a relief. But the relief primarily comes from the fact of just realizing how much he loves us. And we don't have to do it on our own.
0: Great perspective. That's right. You're listening to I Work We'll be right back with more from Henry or Check him out online, faithdrivenentrepreneur.com, faithdrivenentrepreneur.com. We'll be right back.
1: You know the kind of person that always tells you about the latest trends or the special deals around town? Well, lean in, because here's a message from that kind of person. The Awaken Podcast Network is the place to be go to AwakenPodcastNetwork.com and unlock God's purpose for your work with help from some friends. You will find a gathering place of podcasts that provide simple tools, faith stories, and conversations that will inspire and equip you to vibrantly live out your faith in your work today. Go ahead, check out AwakenPodcastNetwork.com and then be that kind of person and
0: tell a friend. Hey, welcome back to I Work For Him. As we're talking with Henry Kaysenner, you can check out his organization, Faith Driven Entrepreneur, online, and his book, Faith Driven Entrepreneur, online at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. That's
2: faithdrivenentrepreneur.org.
1: So Henry, you didn't always have a biblical understanding of entrepreneurship, did you?
2: No, no. And I still don't have a complete one, but I definitely didn't. I didn't come to faith until I was 28. So- um, I absolutely didn't uh, from the beginning.
1: So how did that switch for you then? How did you then um, make that adjustment as a young adult?
2: Well, I, well, the first thing that happened was that I came to know Jesus uh, mm. when I was 28. And uh, that changed everything. And then um, I was running a business at the time. And then it helped me to understand that God actually cared about what I did. And that there is a sin that had been in my life. And that if I kept on willfully sinning, that would be a really bad thing. And there's an aspect of the, uh, the, the late night entertainment part of the, the, the business that I had run before in terms of being involved in financial markets that, oh, I'm so sorry, there had been an element of the late night entertaining that had uh, just been part of just where I was in the financial markets that I didn't want to be involved in. I don't want to be out away from my, from my wife at, at, at 10 o'clock at night. And, going out to bars and entertaining folks. And so uh, what it meant for me right off the bat was God cared about the work that I did and that I needed to be able to make sure that my faith was a part of what I did as a business. So for for me, as is the case for so many entrepreneurs, it was a question of what we couldn't do anymore. Mm. And it was probably, it probably took me 10 years before I really kind of was able to lean into really understanding about what I got to do now and the joy that came from that. And I think that that's the case with a lot of new believers.
0: And it's one of those things, you, you, I mean, we all came from the, a lot of us are trained on, here. here's all the things you can't do. You become a believer, here's all the list of don'ts. But that, that's not what Jesus came to bring. He didn't come to bring the don't list, the to don't list. He came and gave us the to-do list. So when you look at entrepreneurs in the Bible, who's your favorite biblical person who is a business owner?
2: Wow. Well, you know, you've got Lydia. She was great. Um, she just uh, was clearly successful. She was a purveyor of fine cloth and purple yarn. And I mean, so and that, was, that was a luxury item at the time. Mm-hmm. So she was a uh, leader in the marketplace and um, just saw a great opportunity of being one of the original gospel patrons, if you will. It's a great organization called Gospel Patron that gets into some of that. Mm-hmm. Now Paul was a tent maker. Paul was out there preaching the word and just going through incredible trials. I mean, shipwrecks and all the things that he goes through. And yet he was out there um, as an entrepreneur, as a tent maker. And I mean, it's all over all over scripture. Um, you see the kings of Judah were doing trade deals um, back in, in Chronicles and Kings. And so lots of good examples. But the one that comes to mind, I think, is probably Lydia. Uh, bringing people together, believers in her house, showing the gift of hospitality, using her position in society and in the market to be able to proclaim the good news. That's probably the best example I can think of. Mm.
1: You know, and one we don't hear a lot about. I mean, it, I feel um, we could spend a lot of time there just, just talking about it. And not that we're going to now, but I just think that, you know, things like that to hear from the pulpit that at she she was yeah. a, in business and very successful. There's just so, so much there that helps the entrepreneur to every day because I don't even know what the percentage of entrepreneurs is, man and woman. But I would guess-
2: Oh, there are so many more female entrepreneurs in the world than men entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, I used to serve, had the great privilege and honor of serving on Hope International's board mm-hmm. and 90% of their clients were females. Mm-hmm. In America, maybe it's a little different. Maybe it's closer to 50-50. But generally globally, um, there are at least as many women entrepreneurs as men. And in the developing world, I'd submit to you that there are more female entrepreneurs. And so looking at a female Faith-Driven Entrepreneur as a role model, I think, is very appropriate.
0: Yeah. So in your book, Faith-Driven Entrepreneur, which we totally recommend everybody get a copy of it, Henry, can they get it on your website, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org, or do they only have to go out to that other place to buy it?
2: That other place? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I should know the answer to that question. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can get it on our website. One of the things yes. in that other place um, is that so many other people go to that other place to search for something that will help them on their journey. Yeah. And so if you, if you like, uh, the book, a great way to be able to advance the cause and the, the focus on faith driven entrepreneurship is to leave a good review. Mm-hmm. If you feel so inclined and feel called to, because then people who are out there in the secular marketplace might be able to find this in a way that they might not ordinarily go and find it on a Christian website. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a, that's our hope. Our hope is that people will look for a book like this that'll be reviewed well enough that it will attract some secular people into the story about entrepreneurship where they might even come to know God through some of the stories that are recounted in the book.
0: Oh, uh, so, excellent. And you got some great stories in there. I want you to share one of those stories. But first, I want to ask you this question. You highlight and, and really go through the defining characteristics of a faith-driven entrepreneur. If we don't have time to go through all of those, which one was the hardest for Henry Kastener to learn?
2: Oh, easily. It's faithful. Well, I mean, all of them are, are, are challenging for me. Um, and, uh, but the, the one that comes to mind is faithfulness versus willfulness. I find that uh, many of my days are characterized by being willful rather than faithful. And you see that in so many of our Bible heroes, too. I mean, you find Saul was supposed to wait on Samuel before going off in the war, and he didn't. Uh, and yet you find Gideon being very, very faithful. Uh, you also find leaders being willful, not only in the action they took, but also in passivity. And you know, when kings are going off the war, David's stuck behind. Um, my Probably my favorite example from scripture that gets at this concept and this heart posture of being willful versus faithful is in uh, Second Chronicles, where it chronicles the good kings and the bad kings of Judah. So we know not to do the, what the bad kings of Judah do. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But it's the mistakes of the good kings of Judah that I think are really illustrative for us and really meaningful. And that is that every one of them Maybe Abisha didn't do it as much, but uh, just pretty much every one of them at some point in in time didn't seek God out before making a major decision for some of them it was a trade deal for some of them it was whether to go off into war and it's times in which we as leaders feel like we need to do things under our own power now these were not bad people; these were men that were after god 's heart, and yet they were willful in going off and doing some of these things without seeking God out so I know I'm on the right track if I am praying to God for the posture of my heart, that my attitudes and what I do are about him and his plan for me and my business. But too oftentimes I'll get away from that and just start making decisions that seem right to me and under my own power. And my goodness, even after writing about it in the book, I still find weeks in which I'll go back and say, you know what? That's probably being willful about that.
0: (laughs) Share one of your favorite stories. Uh, of a faith-driven entrepreneur, whether you included it in your book or not, that really just that impacted his or her community. Because I, I believe that that's what God gave us entrepreneurship with. Four is to impact not only the people that work with us, but the people that we work for and then the community that we're in.
2: So that's great. That's a great question. And you should probably shouldn't have favorites, just like you shouldn't have favorites in children. And yet I kind of do. <laughs> um, we have a uh, fund. I spend most of my time now in the ministries of faith-driven entrepreneur and faith-driven investor, but together with some partners started an investment fund called Sovereign's Capital a little more than 10 years ago. And so the very first investment we made, we've made 74, 75 now. The very first investment we made was is in a company called Cloud Factory. And a great, brilliant guy named Mark Sears out of Sun Microsystems with a great heart for the poor, moved to Doha Qatar with his wife. And, and the process started this incredible company called Cloud Factory. And Cloud Factory uh, does lots and lots of things very, very well as they've scaled their business to many, many thousands of employees. But one of the things that they do is they love on their community, as you pointed out, was the way they do corporate social responsibility. So uh, backtrack five years ago, Bandwidth, the company I co founded with David Morgan, probably did eight or nine corporate social responsibility projects in Raleigh, North Carolina, a place where there's lots of CSR. In that year, Cloud Factory did more than 1,000 in Kathmandu and in Nairobi, where the majority of their employees are. And those are cities in which there is not, no such thing as CSR. So in a place like Kathmandu, When you are loving on your community that often with your teams of employees, when something like the big earthquake that happened in Nepal happens, then oftentimes you and your workers are the first responders. And what a great opportunity to have a witness and a testimony of love for community to give a sense of meaning and purpose to your workforce. And then just to be able to have an opportunity of sharing the reason for the hope we have by loving on community. So uh, for an entrepreneur that does that with excellence and at scale in difficult places, I I would say Mark Sears at Cloud Factory, because if he can do that in Camp Mandu, I can do that where I live in Northern California now, or I can do that in Raleigh, North Carolina, or I can do that in yeah. South Central Missouri. Yes, you
0: can. Yes, you can. We're talking with Henry K. today. Check him out online, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. We'll be right back with more And I Work For Him want to build a profitable side hustle that impacts people with truth and healing in themselves and in their leadership then look at becoming a certified leadership coach with giant giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years and has over 500 coaches in over 127 countries their coaches are being hired by fortune 500 companies and organizations like i work for him martha and i took the giant sherpa training under one of these great coaches to become leaders worth following Giant gives you everything you need to start your own coaching business from scratch, like hands-on training from top-level coaches, access to an all-in-one online platform to run your entire coaching business, and you get to join a thriving community of coaches around the world. To get started, Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn how to build a successful coaching business. This workshop is 100% free, and you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv forward slash iWorkForHim. If you're ready to impact people and get paid to do it, go to giant.tv forward slash iWorkForHim. That's giant.tv forward slash iWorkForHim. Hey, welcome back to iWork for Him. As we're talking with Henry Kayser today, he just released a book, Faith Driven Entrepreneur. It's also the name of his organization, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org.
1: You know, Henry, I think that one of the things that our listeners would be very interested to hear about, because there's a lot of tension around this idea of, you know, what, what, what do you give up? What do you lose if sometimes when you're living by your, you know, being driven by your faith as an entrepreneur, do you lose a big deal? Does something, you know, cause you to have to make a tough decision? Um, so talk to our talk to us about that and um, how we reconcile that. You know, if you've ever had to experience that yourself,
2: of uh, something that we lose by being a faith-driven entrepreneur. Yeah, I or, mean, or, well, if you we know, have-
1: if if you have that that flesh decision that you have to make of letting your faith drive your business versus, you know, maybe there's a big deal that you have. Uh, maybe you have to walk away from. Yeah, I mean, to. yeah.
0: Is, is it always easy to live out being a faith-driven entrepreneur?
2: No. It's not always easy to, to to live it out. No doubt about it. Um and a lot of that though is a function of uh the different you know what faith is driving us. Is it a faith that my own work is going to be able to see me through mm. or is it a faith that that I um I have in a God who loves me so much that I can respond with my work in gratitude? Is it a, a sense that I need to earn my own salvation or is it a sense that my salvation is a free gift that's been given to me and so that my work and, uh, and the results of that are ultimately up to God? Now I have, uh, I need to endeavor to be faithful. I need to endeavor to work hard and excellent as working under God, not under man. But um, when we have that type of posture, when we have that kind of right sense about each and every day, my work is worship then it means that we just don't have those types of, we don't have those types of um, trade-offs so much. Mm. Um, it, it becomes really, really, really hard to go ahead and do a business where the, uh, do a business deal in which there's some sense of bribery or corruption or wrong things that might otherwise advance us because we then realize that it immediately puts it at odds with this idea that we could have of worshiping and that our, the, our business is there for the glory of God. So um, if we are kind of straddling both areas, then it becomes very hard. Hmm. If we're about, yes, we want to be a Christian, but we also really want our business to really succeed because it's going to help my reputation or it's going to help um, my financial status. Then we have this this cognitive dissonance that number one means that we're not going to be a great leader because our employees will pick up on that. And then it leaves us with these types of trade-offs about, you know, Can I say no to that deal because it compromises my faith? Can I say no to doing that big internet deal that will allow people in the adult services to be able to get faster throughputs and bandwidth? So if you're you're trying to straddle both things, Mm -hmm. well, let me say it more succinctly. You can't serve God and mammon. Too often times my conflict comes from trying to serve both. Mm -hmm. If I can just focus on God, then I'm not in conflict. If I'm trying to serve both, I'm in big trouble.
1: Yeah. And, and when you said, you know, if you're trying to straddle both, I, I, I think a lot of people get that, um, you know, it, it doesn't work. And um, if you're all in for God and you're asking His direction, then it's going to be a lot
0: easier to say no. Henry, I love the way you, you kind of close out the book talking about, why do entrepreneurs and pastors need each other other than to fund a building campaign? Why is that? Why do entrepreneurs and pastors need each other?
2: Well, it, we all need. God created us to be in fellowship and community with one another. I think that entrepreneurs need pastors because pastors understand and know God and the sanctity of scripture and can unpack uh, deep theological truths about how much God loves us that we can bring into our lives as a, as a father, mother, as a, as, a, as a brother, as a friend. Those are incredibly important. Um I think that uh pastors need entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are out there being used by God in the marketplace. 39 of 40 39 of the 40 miracles and acts happened in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So a pastor needs to know what's going on. What, are, what what are my congregants struggling with? What are their temptations? What does it feel like to be a business owner and how to figure out how to serve in God and Mammon? Is that just a theological concept? It is the only example that I can come up with? That is are going to be able to encourage my flock, you know, Lydia is great. An example as that, or can I see that lived out in my community among the different business owners that are in my flock? And can I really understand them and how they're struggling with sin and where things aren't so black and white? And how do I develop sermon material that is born out of real experience from things that my, my congregants are really struggling with. And then how do I think about my own job as a pastor in terms of creating and innovating? And how do I how do I think about how much God loves me through seeing how um, some of these business owners are able to be so faithful?
1: Wow. A lot of great examples there.
0: And lots more inside. The brand new book released by Henry Kaisner, Faith Driven Entrepreneur, and an organization by the same name, faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. If you are an entrepreneur wanting to be driven by your faith, this is an organization you need to check out for discipleship, for information, for knowledge, so much more. Check him out online. Henry at is at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. Henry Kayser, thanks so much for being on I Work For Him today.
2: Jim and Martha, thank you for the great honor, privilege, and blessing.
0: Right. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.
1: Did you know that God has a calling on your life? It's true. He's called you to bring Jesus to the world. For some, that may look like a pulpit or a foreign mission field. But for most of us, it looks like a construction site, a cubicle, a hospital, or a classroom. Wherever it is that you work, live, volunteer, and invest, that is your mission field. To learn more about integrating your faith into your work and retirement, check out our books, I Work For Him, She Works For Him, and I Retire For Him, by going to iworkforhim.com slash bookstore.